Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today I have the absolute honor and privilege to be able to have Andy Raymond on the show today. Andy has had an amazing career as a sports journalist. He started off in the early 90s as a pit reporter for Channel 7's motorsport team. And he also was working with his dad there at that time. But he also got his huge break with Fox Sports. And he was the commentator and sideline eye for 23 years with Fox Sports. And to me, he was like the voice. (laughs) And in my opinion, uh, was one of the best sideline eye commentators in the game of rugby league. He was also a part of the big time boxing, all the main events with Australian boxing and mixed martial arts. He's been an MC for corporate events for over 25 years in sport. From 2002 to 2005, he was the promoter of the annual Australian Wrestling Super Showdown, and he had a lot to do with uh, bringing WWE not only onto Foxtel, but actually bringing uh, WWE to Australia. But before we go, please go to our website. We are at Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. We are on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, at Tell Craig Your Story. And we're also VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners. We also have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story is streaming, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, to name a few. All right, so here we go. This is my chat with Andy Raymond on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hey, Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It's a decent old day outside on the Sunshine Coast here in uh, Queensland, Australia. How are you doing in Uh. Shanghai? Oh no, I'm actually back here in. Oh, you're uh, back. Yeah, I'm back here. I come back here in uh, February. Probably bloody good time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as the the virus hit, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm out. Of, I'm out of here. So I've, I've been back here in Newcastle since. Uh, February, yeah. So, staying safe. Uh, so that's the question to you: H- How's it all going with you? Uh, yeah. With the whole coronavirus, are you staying fa- safe? You and your family? Yeah, here we are. Um, we live in a, a really small little coastal town, about an hour, fifteen hour and a half north of Brisbane, right. and uh, the little town is, is normally bustling on weekends with with tourism and uh, you know just families getting away and it's been nothing i mean really has been absolutely nothing um the self-isolation hasn't been um hasn't been a huge drama i mate i'm one of i'm a homebody uh i i enjoy my own company i argue with myself and talk to myself (laughs) Uh, happily amuse myself and the wife I've had here. Um, uh, our best two mates in the world are our two Labradors. And yes, mate. Right. It's it's been it's play on here, play <laughs> on the sunny coast. They're, yes, but you watch the news and you you listen to the news and mate, yes. horrific, isn't it? I mean, just yeah. the 
There are so many people hurting around the world, health-wise, uh, financially, uh, mentally. You know, it, it sort of went from... Like, coronavirus in January was the punchline to a joke. And four weeks later, it's just, it's attacked us. And future generations are going to look back on this and say, wow, I mean, like yeah. with the plague or, or, you know, the Great Depression or things like that. That's but right. We're well, we're well. That's right. And can you think of a time where it's sort of stopped not, not only sport, but like entertainment in general? Like, I think, I can't think of another time where it's just sort of, Totally stopped everything, right? No, I can't. I can't think of anything even even remotely like it. It's mm. um, and the the scary bit for me is it's globally like it's it's all points of the compass. It's not just little bits here or there. You know, you can't go for a drive up the road and escape it. It's yeah. scary shit. Yeah, it certainly was. You know, and when I was in Shanghai, you know, I would go out. You know, in that first week, it was like, oh, okay, what is this? So we we would I I put like a Twitter picture of cheering a Corona beer, yeah. and uh, I thought that was funny. Yeah, but... it was at the time. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, taking my medicine, you know, and then yeah. all of a, and then all of a sudden. I had to take it off because, you know, people were getting offended by it so, and people were losing their lives. So, yeah, I hope, and I'm glad that the, like, in Australia, it's sort of getting a little bit better. So yeah. they're, they're easing the restrictions and and what a day to, to do it, like the first day and the footy the footy is uh, starting back. Yep. So so let, let's talk about that. We might as well get straight into it. Yeah. Uh, 23 years. <clears throat> yeah. Where, with with Fox Sports, yeah, it's probably not something that you you're accustomed to. You know, you, you, at this stage, you'd probably be preparing. You know, for for the game tonight. Um, at this stage, uh, in years past, I would have been sitting in this very seat at this very computer with five hundred bits of paper and a thousand ideas, trying to condense um, any preparation, any. Uh, notes into a format that my very simple brain can digest. Right. Um, so it's a, it's an indifferent feeling at the moment. Um, uh, bit sad, bit disappointed, bit confused, bit pissed off. Yes. But not angry. Um, it's a business decision. Yes. And uh, it's nothing personal. It. It just is what it is. And there's a lot of people that have lost their jobs, um, a lot of people that have lost their livelihood, that are struggling financially and mentally, uh, that are in a, a lot worse space than me. I've, I've dealt with it well. Um, yeah. The one bit that got me and, and, and got me a bit, you know, quite emotional is the outpouring of support, not only from um, like you expect that from your family and your and your and your your loved ones, but from the general public, people that I hadn't met, people that had welcomed me into their lounge room, you know, a couple of times a week for you know every week for for twenty three years. Uh, some of the messages I've got have left me in tears. It's been. Absolutely astonishing, and I know you, you Aussies don't kick a bloke when he's down, and no one's going to say, "Oh, thank God, you're God, Raymond, you, you know, 
happy that you will see the arse end of you, but the outpouring has been astonishing. It's, um, yeah, Aussies are a pretty decent bunch. Yeah, definitely. And you can just go onto your Facebook and your social media with all the outpour of all, not just rugby league, but, you know, just people in general are just poured out with emotion, you know, saying, and you know what, Andy, Every, I think everybody at, at some stage in their lives sort of go, goes through this sort of period. Yeah. But you, you know you know what? It makes you stronger as a person and, and as a professional as well. Yeah. And and you, you'll bounce back, mate, you know. You've only got the seven count here, so. <laughs> Speaking of seven, seven count, my, my good mate and uh, one of Australia's finest in Jeff Fennick always tells me uh, tough times don't last but tough people do. I don't know if I'm that tough person that he's talking about, but, uh, you know, things will will get better. Mate, it's not the end of the world. It's the end of a chapter in the book, and that's uh, that's what it is. And a lot lot of people say it in the wrestling business as well, never say never. So, you you know, who who knows what might happen in the future as well, you know. know. You're exactly right. Bruce Pritchard's back sitting alongside Vince (laughs) And the, the old right. he got into the Hall of Fame and Hulk Hogan's returned. So anything is possible anywhere. Yes. yes. And, and like you, you think about that with the wrestling and Goldberg, you know, wrestled in WWF and, you know, Brock Lesnar came back after UFC. And so, yeah, there's lots of things that, that, that could happen in the future. So uh, let's, let's, let's go back a little bit. Uh, yep. Let's let's go back into the the very early stage of Andy. Uh, yep. You grew you grew up uh, in Sydney. Yeah, grew up in uh, northwest Sydney in yes. a suburb called North Rocks, Carlingford. We were right on the border. My folks bought that house in 1969 for about thirty four thousand dollars, and Mum is still there to this very day. It's it's Come not. On. It's a home. Yes, there was, uh, mate. That was, that was out in the sticks. And when they bought that back in '69, people were saying, "What the hell do you want to go and live out in the bush for?" Yes. Um, as a result, there was a lot of empty land, a lot of building in progress, and it was the perfect uh, suburban playground for a mischievous young kid. And we yes. we used to ride our BMX bikes every single day after school and there'd be there'd be 50 of you jumping over fire in the local park or, or playing cricket as a group or playing footy or throwing stones at each other whatever it <laughs> may be but grew up yeah. out there schooled out there and yeah, yeah. have really fond memories of, of how I grew up and where I grew up and the fact that mum is still there and my sister's not far from there Means when I do go back to, to Sydney, I, you know, I still get a bit of a kick out of it. This seems a little bit similar to me as well. Like my my mum and sister are still in the same place that they were when I grew up as well. So uh, it's a good sort of it's a good sort of feeling, isn't it? Sort of yeah. brings you back, brings you back to reality a bit, you know? Yeah, exactly. You graduated at uh, Muirfield High School. I don't know if graduation's the, uh, <laughs> the right term. Uh, Muirfield High School is uh, just there in North Rocks and back in the day it was I think one of only two schools in New South Wales that didn't have a uniform. 
Oh, right. So the, the official uniform was King G's and Crystal Sanders <laughs> along with your, your Dunlop volleys. Dunlop. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a selective, very high academic school now. Yeah. Uh, but back when I attended, you'd rather play footy and have a fight than sit in the school you know, <laughs> room listening and learning. Right. Uh, wonderful school and it, and it just a genuine bunch of blokes and girls that, are, that have all, you know, to a large degree, all gone on to live very sound, stable, successful uh, lives, you know, some wonderful family people in there. You know, they've all got kids and some grandkids now, but very, very blessed to have uh, gone to school with the, the crew that I did, and, and a lot of us still keep in touch today. Yeah, right. And and seriously, do you have a picture of you and those volleys, and, and, you know, back yeah, then? Yeah, there'd be, there'd be something somewhere deep in one of mum's, you know, cardboard boxes out in the shed, <laughs> rock, rocking the mulleton. <laughs> cylinders. Oh. Come on, please put it on Instagram. Just one, just. <laughs> so, is this when you started to sort of develop the passion for, you know, your chosen sort of uh, field, work field? Is this when you started, like, you know, with yeah. rugby league and cricket and wrestling? Well, the um, the rugby league was the first love and has always been the first love and and played. Uh, as a junior from uh, under fours up until, I guess, 19s. And who did you play with, by the way? Uh, played with Parramatta Junior Eels and oh. Parramatta Northern Districts down in the, in the Paracomp uh, and, and absolutely loved it. We, we raced BMX competitively, both myself and my sister, not, not world beaters, uh, but had a great time. We travelled to the United States several times. And, mate... Uh, in, in terms of commentary, it was monkey see, monkey do. Like, you know, I, I'd go to the speedway with Dad at, at the old yes. speedway and he's the commentator. And to me, it, you know, it, it wasn't anything special. It was just, oh, Dad's the commentator. Yes. The BMX races, when, when BMX was in its heyday, there was a track that they ran called Metro West BMX out the back of Liverpool Speedway and they used to pull in a 1,000 kids on a Friday night. Um, I mean, huge numbers. Most of them had parents there. So, I mean, it was a, it was a crowd. It was an event. Yeah. And Dad would do the commentary there. And from a very young age, in between races, you know, if I wasn't chasing the girls or you know, <laughs> sliding down a hill on a piece of cardboard, I'd go yeah. up and stand in the commentary box with him. Yeah, right. And... It wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do, um, but I got interested in it because, hey, it's Dad doing it, so Dad can do it, I can do it. And, that's it. And that's sort of how it started. Yeah, right. And, sorry, speaking of your rugby league, did, did you get to play with like, like some people that actually went into the, the NRL? Yeah, played at a early age, uh, about 16, against a young bloke called Fittler. Oh. Who was playing up a year and just smashed us. Yeah. Just, I mean, unbelievable. He was a big kid, 
but he was talented and he had time. And he, I mean, he was, he wasn't a level above. Uh, he was three levels above anyone else in the competition. It was, it was frightening. Yeah. And speed, speed, the, yeah. the step, the, the st- you know, power. <laughs> and, you know, big, strong boy. He, he, he might not look at now on your TV. Brad, Brad Fittler's not a small man. And, you know, when he was training um, and, and doing weights, so I think he's probably underplaying weight at the moment. Uh, lucky he's probably got a good metabolism. He's a big man. And, and, and when something like that is as fast and as powerful as it is, that takes a lot of stopping, especially when you're, you know, you're late teens and you're probably physically haven't progressed and matured as much as, you know, guys like him. Yeah, right. Yeah. Amazing talent. Is he, do you think he'll still continue doing coaching in the future, uh, Freddie Fittler? Yeah. Or is he just happy sort of doing like he, he's like a Channel 9? I, th- I think he's, he's probably reasonably happy with life at the moment. I think he'd yeah. be He's got a good job at Channel 9 uh, and, and a good position there. He's been there a number of years. He's a respected voice. Mm. He's a calm voice. Uh, and the coaching thing, whilst it, it didn't work out for him at club level, uh, he is probably more suited as a person to state of origin. Yes. Uh, where he's had wonderful success with, with good people around him and, and bloody good footy team as well. Yes. Um <laughs> But I think Freddie's probably pretty happy with life at the moment. Uh, yes. Bit, bit of origin, bit of TV, a few media spots and plenty of time with a you know beautiful young family. Yeah, family, yeah, that's right. So you're talking about uh, the Speedway as well and I used to go down there as well. We used to have the the speed <laughs> the Speedway in Newcastle. The Motodrome. Uh, yeah, the Motodrome and uh, used to have a good time. I used to love the... Uh, as a kid, I used to love the Smash 'em Up Derby. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was good fun. You know, you'd you'd pick one 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 sort of car and away you get. But yeah, uh, as I got a little bit older, I used to go down to the the one. You know, I started really getting into it and going down to the Liverpool one. So your yeah. dad was actually doing the commentary, and he was like the promoter of, of the Speedway. Yeah, he was the uh, a gentleman called Frank Oliveri, who's no longer with us. Uh, was the owner of the land, uh, a very successful businessman out in Southwest Sydney, and he owned the Speedway, and he brought Dad in as as the promoter and. Uh, this was following on from the Halcyon days at the Sydney Showground, which I don't really remember because of age. But at Liverpool, there were seasons on end when it was hot that they would pack it out yes. week after week after week. Well presented, well run, well promoted. It left the crowd. Dad was always a believer as a, as a promoter of anything. Leave them wanting more. Yes. So if it meant having three less races and finishing the night early, so be it. You don't want any crowd at any sport to walk out of there saying, oh, God, that was a long night. Gee, that was a long day. You want them walking out, bouncing off the wall, saying, when the hell are we coming back again? Yes. And that was the key, key to Liverpool, and they kept coming back again. Yeah, absolutely, and it was such a good night. And you know, I, I would, I would 
you know, the two-hour drive didn't bother me. You know, yeah. that was, it was such a good night. It was a fun night. You go back and have a few beers and, you know, yep. just just overall just a, a, a good night. So then, so then after that, like in the early nineties, your, your sort of your first sort of uh, broadcasting opportunities was to be the pit reporter. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so tell us about how that all come come, come about. It was um, I officially started work on the payroll anyway at Channel Seven in nineteen ninety. Yes, uh, I finished school in eighty nine, but from about nineteen. Uh, say 1986, 1987 onwards of a weekend because we actually didn't live far from the old uh, Channel 7 studios in Epping. I'd go up up on a weekend and hang around the sports guys and get them lunch, make coffee, uh, fill up their car with petrol, shuffle the papers, do whatever I was told just to be there and see how... Everything happened. Yes. And I think with a lot of work experience kids, they treat it more so as a week off school. Uh, I treated my work experience when I did an official week there as the opportunity of a lifetime. And I was the first one in of a morning. I was the last one to leave. And I was led and encouraged and supported by a wonderful group of guys who were working for Seven Sport at that time. And eventually a sort of cadet spot came up and I believe Dad put it to the the team that, you know, give the kid a run. Yes, Uh, yes. He'll still be making coffees, he'll still be getting lunches, and I believe everyone in the office bar one put their hand up and said, yeah, I, you know, let's let's do it, nothing to lose. Yes. And they were wonderful. Not necessarily guys that most people would know from, mm-hmm. you know, their screens over a long period of time. Uh, but guys, uh, there was a news director called Owen Daly, journalists and presenters, Warren Sim and... John Brady, uh, guys like that, just so welcoming yeah. and, and such open books. And, you know, I was probably a late maturer anyway, and they – I was raw, I was thrown into it, and their help was just phenomenal. I mean, I, I don't know if it happens these days where a young fella gets – literally taken under the wing of, of an experienced member of, a, of any corporation. But yeah. they took me under their wing and shielded me when I needed to be shielded, kicked my ass when it needed to be kicked, and there was plenty of them. <laughs> uh, but but they, they guided me. And yes. for that, I, I can never repay them. Just uh, wonderful memories. And I, I ended up and I don't know how, mid-year, might have been 92 or 93, and a position became available on the touring cars. Yes. My hand went up. Yes. And it is a blur at the moment. (laughs) It's seriously a blur, but, uh, yeah, wonderful. And You know, I'm uh, a car enthusiast. Yes. And I'm at Amaru Park, a beautiful sunny day, 
Dick Johnson's there, Peter Brock's there, Glenn wow. Seat, you know, Alan Grice, a, a who's who of Australian motor racing. And because I'm interviewing them and I'm not on terms with them, I'm not, but I was, I was part of it. I'm, I've got the microphone and, and we're conversing and it gave me a huge thrill. I absolutely yeah. loved it. And I walked out of there buzzing and I thought, you know what, this, yeah, this is what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it says here that you took the role uh, maybe in down the track that you took the role of Neil Neil Crompton, who who went on to do like a sort of like a commentary a commentary sort of role. Yeah, is, uh, is that is that a fair statement or? Uh, I think Neil had been moved into into commentary well before that, right? Um, or, or or sometime before that. Uh, I I cannot for the life of me quite remember who the position was in front of me. I know Cameron Williams, who uh, oh, yes. is still in the media now and doing really well for himself over at Channel 9. He was used in the pits as well. And, look, it might have been a case of Cameron had news duties or Cameron had the weekend off and I was I was filling in for him. Yeah. Yeah, whatever the scenario was that led up to that decision, I'm – I'm grateful for it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I actually saw, like, I was doing some uh, searching on, on YouTube and I saw one with Steve Walters. You did a documentary with Steve Walters. Yeah, tell, us a, about, tell us about that. We did a, a rally of Canberra with Steve Walters and yeah. the sponsors put up their hand. They wanted some airtime on Channel 7. And so I was the, the guinea pig. <laughs> and uh, Steve Walters, who I hadn't met at that stage, was the driver. Right. And you, you couldn't get away with it now, but we met in Canberra at six in the morning, shook hands and jumped into the car, and off we went through the forest, and we had an absolute blast of a time, and there was <laughs> cameras in the car, there were cameras scattered over the track, and we told the story of the Canberra Rally. Well, we were one racer didn't complete the day, which meant we were 137th out of 138. <laughs> so, so we figured it's not going to be the fairy tale finish to this story. It's yeah. uh, we suck as a, <laughs> as a driver and as a navigator. And uh, I think we may have had a beer or two that night. And it may or may not have wandered straight from the casino to the car to go in day two of the rally, yes. and we ended up riding off the little Dahatsu charade. <laughs> still talk about it with, with Steve to this day, if I see him somewhere, we we still have a laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Is he, is, is, do you still see him around, like, in the rugby league? Is he sort yeah, of... Uh, yeah, yeah. Still, still see him around. I'm uh, really good mates with his brother, Kevy. Right. If I don't see Steve, I'll I'll have a chat to him on the phone. If I'm in the car with Kevy, wonderful family, the Walters boys, um, yes. always have been, always will be, and what whatever they've achieved in life, they they've deserved it. But the most important thing for me is it's never changed them. They yes. they literally have not changed in thirty years. A stunning family. 
and, and you know, and you know what? That, that's that's the thing. Like a, a genuine good bloke, you know. You know, they can be on the TV all the time. They can have this amazing career, but at the end of the day, we're all just you know human yeah. beings. You know, you can have you can have the greatest resume in the world. Yes, but if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. And, that's right. And you know, Australians don't cop that. Apologies for swearing, by the way. No, that's okay. um, you know. We, we just like good blokes and we tolerate good blokes. And if you're not a good bloke, get lost. That's right. Yeah. And you can definitely tell it with when, you know, when you go traveling around the world, you know, oh, you're Aussie? Oh, okay. Coming in, coming in. You want to have a beer? You know, it, it's always like uh, we have this real good reputation. And, and yeah, we uh, do. We get a good rep, don't we? I've, I've done a lot of traveling and traveled around the States. And in the last couple of times, my wife and I have been to the States. Uh, we've done huge road trips and so you're not going through big cities and big towns we're going back roads yes and you know you turn up in the middle of you know kentucky or mississippi at these tiny little places you say you're australian and they just look at you (laughs) and say how did you get here and why are you here but come on in let's let's have a beer we've got a great reputation around the world Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So you you were there for quite a long time, and then you went on to uh, work with the Daily Telegraph. No, 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 Daily Telegraph. I think that's a. I think that could be a Wikipedia liar. Someone told me recently. <gasps> yeah, I know. Someone told me recently that Wikipedia's got Daily Telegraph, and that I've authored two books. Two books. Yeah. <laughs> My English teacher back at Muirfield High School in 1989 could have told you that I would never write a book in my bloody life. <laughs> uh, they, they would have also told you that I'm not talented enough to work at the Daily Telly. Yeah. I did Channel 7 for uh, seven years and then yeah. moved across to Fox Sports in April of uh, 97. And that, that was at a period where they were just kicking off the, the Super League uh, the Bill Morty fight nights were uh, every third week or every fourth weekend. Yeah, um, Fox Sports was doing the MotoGP and the Superbikes and also acting as the host broadcaster down at Phillip Island. So we'd spend the best part of three weeks at Phillip Island every year, 10 days for the GP, 10 days for the Superbikes. Wonderful times to be in the media and anyone that has been in the media um, over an extended period, we'll tell you, you know, that the 1990s were, were fabulous before. You know, it was when television people ran television stations, not the accountants. Yes. And, I mean, that's, that's just the way of the world now. The accountants run every company it's... in the world. It, it just, it is what it is. And, it, you know, it might not, be, might not feel right, but it is right financially and it's not worth whinging or complaining about. But there was money to spend to better the product. Yes. And under an executive producer called Saul Stein, Fox Sports at Phillip Island did some of the most amazing television stuff you will ever, ever see. It was innovative. It was on the mark. Uh, in terms of performance, there were never any failures, and it was, you know, a really positive time. Yeah, right. 
And I can remember, like, the because my father got Foxtel very, very early in, in that time. And I was just talking about this the other day, how, how good it was to watch all the programs on Fox, Foxtel at that time. Because I think it was, like, Sports Channel, there was a Movie Channel, and was, uh, there was only, like, maybe, maybe 10, 10, 15 channels, and there was yep. no ads, no ads at all. The sports was live, you know, there was no BS. <laughs> so it was exactly. really, really, really good to watch, you know. Um, it's so good to watch, Craig, and it was equally as good to work in. And you you just pointed to something, you know, quite important. There were no commercial breaks. Yes. So they would roll the oak for a day at Phillip Island for fr- Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So... Practice, practice qualifying, qualifying and race day. We are on air from 8 in the morning until 6 at night. No commercial breaks. And just go. And it was balls out. I mean, there was a rundown. Uh, There was a million stories to tell. But when and if things go pear-shaped, it's up to you to think on your feet. Now, we had... One of the very first Phillip Islands we did, uh, the rain became torrential. I mean, it was horrific. And there was no action on the track, but we had to keep going. And Warren Smith and Kevin McGee were in the commentary box. Uh, Cameron Williams was hosting. And this little fellow was down in pit lane. <laughs> and I was rugged up, umbrella. And the poor guys had gone on you know, for 45, 50 minutes, probably and some, talking about what could happen and what's happening with the weather, no commercial breaks to throw to. So they're starting to struggle. (laughs) I've walked up um, one end of the pits and taken the camera and the producer and floor manager with me, and we've done 34 minutes by ourselves off the top of our head. I started at one end of the pits and started talking and I'd walk into the garage. I'd just push people away and say, Anthony Gobert, what's doing with this weather? Or Colin, Colin Edwards, Aaron Slight, all these different people. And we just kept going and going and going. And I can hear in my ear the executive producer Saul saying, AJ, this is brilliant. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going for as long as you want or as long as you can. Yeah. And I, at the end of that, threw back to, you know, uh, Wazza and and Magoo and whatnot, and then they did the same thing. They filled for another 45 minutes. And to to be able to do that in a, a group environment, because it's not just it is far from just the person you see on TV. Yeah. It's the cameraman knowing where you're going and what you're thinking. It's the floor manager being able to arrange things just behind the camera. It's the producer talking to the producer over in the truck, letting them know, you know, what name's going to come up on the screen next. To be able to achieve something like that is something really, really special. And uh, we all walked out of there that day feeling you know bloody pleased with ourselves again it's it's just part of the the television learning curve i I recall the first the first main event boxing pay-per-view i called was 
Anthony Mundine, Lester Ellis, mm-hmm. um, down at the National Tennis Centre in Melbourne. And in between the semi-main event and the main event, there was like a 54 or 64-minute delay. And the delay was over money back in the dressing room. And there, there was oh, a no. fabulous shot of Coda Nasser, who was Anthony Mundine's manager, yes. standing in the toilet with Lester Ellis's brother, Talking about the contract because they were saying Lester Ellis was saying if we don't get paid before the fight we're not fighting. Oh no! <laughs> that was my first main event commentary, and we talked. No ads. We talked, and somehow with direct, you know, with the best directors and producers and and talent in the world, uh, we were able to get through it. And they're the they're the times that I look back on. Uh, not saying it, you know the career's over, but I look back very fondly on on moments and challenges like that where you can walk away with um, a real personal satisfaction. Definitely, and it definitely sort of you you're learning through that whole period, you know what to do in those sorts of situations because. You know, you, you might you might see and and it's easy now. Oh, let's throw to throw to an ad break. You know, you yeah, know. that's right. Yeah, if, if everything turns to shit now, you know, yeah, the old line is we'll be back after the break. Yeah, that's right. But but that's uh, that's why uh, you had some some quality moments on that TV because you'll be able to, you know, keep talking and keep keep sort of keep it yeah. en- entertaining and interesting. You know what I mean? I. I my wife has, has almost convinced me, but she's been saying for years that she believes I'm at my best when there's no script and it's just go. Yes. Uh, which is quite a bizarre thing. Uh, a lot of what we do, all, a lot of what we all do, you know, is scripted and in some cases heavily scripted. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I think when it's time to think and then act is probably when... I'm at the best, and there's a, there's a couple of interviews over the years that I've done with no notice whatsoever, and they just they stand out. Yeah. Because Can you give me an example. Of- yeah. One most more recently was the Cameron Smith Jonathan Thurston testimonial game. Right. They had in the pouring rain at Suncorp Stadium, and I mean it was a game of footy, but it was more a trial game. To you know, to be honest. Uh, and at the end of the game, we weren't going to do anything, so I hadn't planned on any, on any interviews. Um, and the producer said, mate, go out, you know, gave me 60 seconds or two minutes' notice, go out at the end of the game and have a chat with them and see if you can do them together. And it ended up on the spot going for, uh, you know, Four or five minutes, I guess, and it was it was instantaneous. Uh, it was emotional, and it was Cameron Smith and Jonathan Thurston, like you have never ever heard them talk before, because they they were comfortable with with me. They were comfortable about where I was going. Yes, yes. And, I, and I look back uh, at that and think, yeah, it was that was one of the better ones. Raw emotion, raw emotion, right yeah. there. Raw emotion and, and raw emotion in sport is it rocks. I mean, it, yes. it, sport and in particular rugby league is the ultimate reality TV. Yes. It's got it all there for me, anyway. 
Yeah, I totally agree. You know, uh, going back to to the boxing as well, like you you were doing the boxing there for quite a long time, you know, and I, I tried to remember what the name of it was, but Big Time Boxing. Yeah, that's it. You know, you'd watch the footy of the night time and then, and then when that finished, um, nor- normally big time boxing would be on after that. And, yeah. uh, you know, you'd be all, all over the country sort of uh, do, doing that. So yeah. tell us what, what that experience is like as well. Great experience. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, going to the boxing in the, the, or the kickboxing in the, the late 90s, Early two thousands, it were you know it was like walking onto the set of Underbelly. Uh, <laughs> always a very colourful crowd. Yes. Um, wonderful athletes, amazing, amazingly focused and driven, um, disciplined, mad as all hell. All all of them. I've I've not met a sane boxer yet. <laughs> uh, and I say I say that in due respect. You've, you've got to be you've got to be crazy to do that. Yes, um, <clears throat> I loved it. I, I didn't. To be fair, I didn't always like the politics and the nonsense. Yes, that, that went on with. Oh, uh, got a visitor there. <laughs> Speaking of uh, live, live, <laughs> live, live TV, live podcast. What am I? There you go. What do you want, mate? There he is. Hello. He just- he just wants a pat. <laughs> yeah, mate, all, all he does all day is sit underneath my feet here in the office and he's as happy as all hell. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it, um, the raw emotion of sport, wonderful. And it's hard not to not to get personally invested in, in a night of the boxing uh, when there is such more uh, raw and aggressive emotion Great nights, great times. Didn't always enjoy the politics. Yes, didn't yeah. always enjoy the BS. Loved when the bell rang. And your team there as well. You had Angelo Hyder and Paul Upham. Uh, good worked, team there. Worked with so many, you know, wonderful people from uh, Angelo Hyder to Paul Upham to uh, yeah. Jeff Fennick and Danny yes. Green and Chris McCullen. Um, you, you would have done all those uh, mundane green fights, right? Yeah, exactly yeah. right. So, you know, I've worked with, uh, you know, a wonderful array of, of guys that have all brought something a little bit different to the commentary position. And when you bring something different to the commentary position, you bring a different perspective into a lounge room, which is, which is pretty cool. I think we in television get quite insular about what's right and what's correct and what sh- things should be. As opposed to saying, what do the punters want to watch? What do the punters want to listen to? How do they want their information delivered? That's that's just my opinion. There's plenty plenty of executives that'll that'll argue that. But yeah, really lucky to work with with some wonderful people on the boxing, and I smile just thinking about you know some of the good times. And where do you see the the boxing in Australia at the moment? You, you know, do you see it like a future? Um, because at at that Danny Green Mundine period, oh, that was to me that was the peak. Yeah, it was uh, you fire, know, wasn't it? Everybody was talking about Mundine and Danny Green, and you know, so so where do you see like the future of, of boxing for Australia? I, I got into trouble a couple of years ago for saying this, but I don't care because I'll I'll say it again. The administrator. Who runs rugby league? The NRL. 
Yes. Who runs rugby union? The, the ARU. Same with the AFL. As a result, their business is financially controlled. Um, it's quality control. It's got a, an effective financial business plan and a strategic development right, uh, you know, a strategic development plan. They, they know where they're going. Yeah. Boxing in Australia, if you and I want to put on a night, we can. And we just yeah. have to, you know, fill in the appropriate forms, get the appropriate insurance, um, and we, we can go and do it. There is the governing body here is unable to get everyone together and push in the one direction. Um, and until that happens, boxing will remain a second or third tier sport and it'll remain splintered, unfortunately, because you've got different promoters wanting to go different directions for different reasons. Yes, different yes. fighters want to go in different directions for different reasons. Until everyone in Australian boxing is, is in together and ready to push in the one direction for the betterment of the business and future, it, it just can't work sort of as the, successfully. Sort of plateaus, doesn't it? You know, it doesn't sort of get It does. Like Jeff Horns went over Manny Pacquiao at, at Suncorp Stadium. Yes. And boxing was back in the news. Tim Zhu, an absolute, absolute gun. Um, yes. You know, is he the future? And he, he, look, he's got a future inside the ring, you know, no doubt. Will he be able to propel Australia to the next level without the assistance of the entire industry behind him? I don't know. Mm. The sad thing is it's not... I'm not having a dig at Australian boxing because that's what world boxing is. Yes. yes. There's four major organisations that don't care about each other or the other person and don't work with the other organisation or the other person. They promote what they want, when they want and how they want, which is why Dana White has got the UFC yes. and the MMA pumping so successfully because – he is at the top of their pyramid governing the whole company. Yes. Until until that happens on a global scale, and it won't because there's too much money to be had in boxing, it it will never, I believe, reach its full potential. Yeah. And, that, and that's a shame too because I can, yeah. I can remember when, um, you know, I, I would go to the Newcastle Workers Club. It's Pan yep. Panthers now. Yep. Um, they would always have a boxing or, or mixed martial arts or, or something yes. there. Fox Panthers. Yeah. So I, I remember going, yeah, and Fox Sports used to come there and yep. um, uh, always good times there. But uh, at, at recently, I, I, even though I'm living in Shanghai, but uh, even when I come back, it's just sort of gone away now. And, and, and it's, just, it's a shame, you know. It is. I think a lot of kids, too, are, are not going to the boxing gym anymore. They're going to the MMA gyms. Mm. You know, they see Conor McGregor or they see John Jones or, or whoever, you know, whoever it may be, and, and they want to replicate them. Uh, whereas, you know, back a generation or back two generations, you wanted to replicate Barry Michael or, or Jeff Fennick. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, times change. Yeah, that's true. So speaking of, of mixed martial arts and maybe not as heavy or hard as uh, the mixed martial arts, 
there's always some bumps, but uh, uh, pro wrestling. Yeah, man, you've, been, you've been very, very involved with uh, pro wrestling here in Australia as well. Yeah. Um, I've been a big fan since, you know, I can remember mm-hmm. uh, getting up at early in the morning to, you know, watch Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage and... Um, and I still watch it today, uh, not as much as I used to, but I still watch the pay-per-views and all that. But tell us about the Australian wrestling. You had a, you know, like a promotion there um, from 2002 yeah. to 2005. Yeah, it was 2002, 2005. We had the Australian Wrestling Super Show. Yes. We, 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 we picked a couple of guys from each of the organisations and or states and put them all in together with a bit of a different marketing plan to what um, – to what the the other companies did, and and we had one on Fox Sports, and the other the other four were very successful. Uh, was a really good boost for Aussie wrestling. Unfortunately, with Aussie wrestling, and we got some awesome athletes and some even, even better minds. Yeah, it came in roughly at the same time where, for I think you know back in those days, Foxtel was forty bucks a month. Yes. $40 a month, you could uh, you could watch the best in the world do their thing from your own living room and, and watch it live. You didn't have to go and pay to go to an event in a smaller venue with, you know, not as well-known athletes. Um, and that that's the challenge that a lot of smaller or localised sports face with, you know, the world is so big now because of, computers and television and pay television and streaming services yeah. too easy mate to, to sit on our ass and and, and and watch sport as opposed to going to the sport yes and you did you uh have interactions with them I, i've seen like um i can remember watching uh like raw and smackdown there and there was times there where we only had raw <laughs> at one yeah. stage we and, had, um, raw was on a two-week delay Yes, and, and I know that you were you were sort of always on on, on before the uh, raw campaigning yeah. campaigning for it to you know. So what what was the background behind that? Was it a just a contract with the WWE? They just wouldn't. That, that's all it was. Was a contract with uh, the WWE or WWF as it was, and it stipulated for whatever reason. Um, I think it was a ten day ter- minimum turnaround. And then another show started that may well have been SmackDown. As a result, timelines and, and, and commentary stories were completely diluted and completely confusing because they were saying one thing on this show and they were saying something else from 10 days ago. That right. I mean, it was just bizarre. So I, I campaigned for that with my boss at Fox Sports, David Malone, and I think he, he gave up. He gave up and gave in just to get me out of the office, and we ended up getting uh, we ended up getting Raw on live, and SmackDown was live, and now and now and and since it's been you know a wonderful addition to to Foxtel. Absolutely, you know it's hugely successful, and I can remember every time they would come out there, you'd be there interviewing like the superstars, yeah. you know. Yeah, there's some. There's, I've got some good photos. Again, probably somewhere at Mum's, either that or the ex-wife burnt them. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, interviewing, you know, Vince McMahon or, or oh. Triple H, Jericho, Edge, those guys. So uh, stop there. Vince McMahon, like not too many people 
it, like even the, the the main promoters of the wrestling get a chance to interview Vince McMahon. So tell tell us about that experience. Like, uh, wow, really really cool. I actually got to interview him twice in the space of about an hour and a half. Once was in front of an audience, and once was in a closed room at the old Sydney Showgrounds. And it was about a forty minute interview, and it was wow. pretty close to a shoot interview. If, yeah. if if I knew where it was today, it would be gold. Yeah. Um, very intimidating bloke. Uh, size wise, he is a he's a he giant. Yes. Yeah. Or was. Um, yeah, that's twenty years ago. Yeah. Big, big man. Uh, very intimidating. Very polite, business like. Um, no BS about him. Yes. Um, but a guy with that aura that was, yeah, just awesome. Really was. Um, yeah. uh, you know, he, he, he was accommodating, but he, he also let you know that he was in charge of the situation. Yes. And you weren't. <laughs> cool by that's, me. That's just his aura. Just his, exactly. you know. And uh, what a what a what a person! What a character! What a you know took wrestling from nothing to you know a multi-billion-dollar industry. And um, so, uh, would you still be involved? Like, if they were to come out, I know they they've rescheduled uh, to come out to Australia next year. Uh, the Raw brand. Uh, will you still be involved with them? Will you go out and do interviews? I don't know. I was, I was doing a lot of it through through Fox, Fox back Fox. in the day. I haven't done it for for a couple of years, but uh, I'd I'd always put my hand up because you know, little little bit of fun and and a good giggle, and and yeah. you know, met met some decent guys along the way as well. Yeah, excellent. So, yeah, you've done wrestling, but let, let's get let's back to rugby league. So when like so when Fox Sports started. Mm. Is that when you started with, with, with the rugby league with Fox Sports? Uh, no, Fox started in 95 and I moved over in 97, which was when right. the Super League started. So there was no rugby league on Fox for, for the best part of two years. So sorry, I've been talking about that a lot uh, recently over the last couple of interviews of the Super War League, yeah. uh, the, the war, sorry. Can you give us a little bit of insight on your side uh, of the Super League war? Madness. Yeah, utter madness. Uh, and I was a, a a young news journalist at the time, and it was really infant days of of mobile phones. Not everyone had them. Yes. And so communication was pages. You go into the news camera car, and you you know you might use the the CB or or if you had a phone, but there was. 20 things happening every hour. And then the, you might be in Phillips Street in the middle of Sydney waiting for the Newcastle Knights to come in on the bus. Yeah. And you would hear that in Surrey Hills at Holt Street at the News Limited offices, the Penrith Panthers have just walked in. So 20 cars, all the news stations and, and radio stations would run down there. And then Channel 7 and Channel 9 would do a deal and Channel 10 and ABC would do it. So there were cameras and People everywhere, footballers and managers and coaches uh, darting in and out. There were side deals galore. Um, an amazing time that saw football 
for the players' takeoff, but for the fans, uh, uh, you know, lips with yes. a slap on the face. Yes, uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone changes anything if they could go back and do it again. Yes, um, but you know, it was Kerry Packer versus Rupert Murdoch. That's that's understanding. That's that's what it came down to. Yes. Uh, it was about a belief system. It was about their their parent media companies and all of that. But it was was also a one on one personal battle between Kerry and Rupert. May the better man win. Yes. And do you think in the long term it's it's been uh, financial for for the NRL? You know. How do we, how do we say that now when we got nothing? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. How does and, and and that's something that I, I haven't really asked too much. But how do how do we lose all that money? How how are we broke? You know, with Fox Sports, with Channel Nine, with all the sponsorship. I mean, I don't know the whole background of it, but yeah. surely, just like in general, like how do you lose all that money? Where and you've got State of Origin as big as it is now. You know, so many income streams from rugby league. Mm. That it it is astonishing how that money is is not in the bank or not invested somewhere. And I'm not a, a financial expert or financial mm. planner, so I can't say what they should have done. You know, um, it'd be and it'd almost be different if you found someone had stolen money from the NRL and gone, oh well, someone's someone's flogged it. Yes. But, it's actually been misspent. Yes. Yeah. I mean, how? I, I can understand a couple of grand here, or 20 grand here. Oh, we spent it there and we don't have it in the bank. But we're talking billions of dollars. I mean, yes. how, uh, where's it gone? For, you know, wow. It's, it's just very, so, so, so frustrating. And, you know, isn't it? And there was also a time, like being a big Knights fan, uh, where we thought that we might not even have a team in the competition. There's been a couple of times, like we wanted have a yeah a team in the competition. Like we had to get Nathan Tinkler. Yeah, Tinkler. How could I forget his name? Uh, to come to come in, and now now we've got West Leagues to come in now. So um, I just I think from the Knights' point as well, like where are their money is their money going as well? I mean. So I'm glad that they're, they're with West and they're yeah, much more too. financial and um, they're bigger and better things. And, you know, we've got a good, we've got a good solid team there now and, you know, yeah. Calvin Ponga. And so, so let, let's talk about Calvin Ponga. You know, he's the sort of, um, you know, you've seen a lot of footballers in, in your career, uh, in your career. Calvin Ponga, he, he's, he's like future, you know, if he yeah. stays fit. Uh, sky's the limit. Yeah. We're, I don't think he's the best young fella I've seen coming through. That That's just a personal opinion. Yeah. But he, he's certainly up there in the conversation. He's tough as nails, and that's one part of Caelan that hasn't been recognised yet. But in speaking to those around him, tough young kid. And and I, when they say tough, I, I interpret that as mentally and physically. Um, and we probably haven't seen that side of of Kalen presented yet. I have no doubt we will. Mate, the kid's a superstar, and he's marketable too. Yes, absolutely. 
So again, looking through some YouTube clips and some 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 bloopers over 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 your career, yeah, it was at Shark Park, and you're doing you're doing a like a, a yeah in the actual grandstand of the Shark Park. Not only once did he fall over, this little boy fell over twice. Can you sort of give us a rundown on that? I was doing a pre-recorded piece. It must have been on a Monday night down yes. at Shark Park, and I was standing on the edge of the uh, the lower deck grandstand where there's the tiered seating in front of me. And it had been raining, so the seats are slippery. Mm-hmm. And little mate, he must have been, I guess, 10 years of <laughs> decided that it might be fun if he jumped over the seats yeah, behind yeah. me. Well, he got to my, my left shoulder and jumped over and went head, got his foot caught and went head first into the concrete, got up, dusted himself off, and in the next motion went over the next chair, did the same again, has <laughs> gone whack, whack, and then got up and sat down like this. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And all I could hear was a little commotion behind me and I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. The reason we had to stop was because the cameraman lost it, so the camera's <laughs> shaking. audio guys in fits, the lighting guys are shaking, the lights laughing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've since seen that. It's a beauty, absolutely. <laughs> and, and speaking of uh, the, the NRL and and. Uh, Fox Sports, you went on a, uh, it was like a promotion, Fox League road trip. <laughs> yeah, we've done a few road trips uh, yeah. and I've, I've, I've helped them out with the um, the Queensland and, and North and Central Queensland legs where uh, they got the crew to, to go out and, and uh, say good day to the locals and put on sportsman's nights for, for lack of better terms and well-received, good fun. Yes. Uh, people were often invited to sign up to Foxtel on the night. Yeah, all all good fun with a, with a good bunch of fellas and girls, yeah. should I say? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So let, let's talk about your family now. You're happily married uh, to Terry. Yeah. 2017, and of all places, <laughs> all places, I, I do believe. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you actually got married in Cuba. Is that correct? Yes, we did. Uh, it was second time round for both of us, so you, you, we didn't want to make a big deal of it. But we'd been we'd been together for best part of ten years, I think nine years at the time. We had done a, a trip across the states. We ended up in New York. Somehow, she ended up in Tiffany's Jewelers, and a, a ring was purchased. Yes, and we decided. We're going to Cuba next anyway for a week. Yes. Uh, let's, let's do it there. But yeah. <laughs> do, do it on the beach there. Uh, wow. we, we still had to sign official papers when we got back to Australia, and that was all cool. But uh, for all intents and purposes, November 10 was the date, and, and that's the anniversary of when we did it in Cuba. And, it, you know, it was cool and it, very us, really, yeah. really us. We're both. We're both very laid back, yes. very easy, and we rang the folks afterwards and said, guess what? <laughs> and, and, and both, they're all delighted, yeah, I think. 
think. And, and where did you meet uh, Terry? Was it through through the sporting sort of through through events? Yeah, yes. uh, Terry's the event producer. Even though the world of events has come crashing down over the last yes <laughs> two months, uh, and now she her official job is my boss. Right, that's what her official title is at the moment. <laughs> I think it's changed over. She, and, she often says she's not telling me what to do. She's just offering advice. All right. <laughs> Isn't that sort of like a, 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 parent, a parent sort of thing? <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you said that your, your mum is still uh, living in, in Sydney, right? Yes. Yeah, mum still, still lives in Sydney. We lost that at the end of last year, which was horrific. And um, as, as anyone that has been through that knows, it's... Uh, it's tough and it takes time and it is tough and it is taking time. Um, very different guy off camera to, to what those that saw him on TV yes, would have yes. pictured. Uh, difficult for mum. Uh, they've been together for, married for 50-something years, best mates. Uh, but we're all, we're all moving on. We're a great family unit yes. uh, and one that I wouldn't change ever. And uh, we're all, uh, we're not moving on, we're moving forward. That's probably a better way to, to put it, yeah. And, and, I, and I did read, I did read online that, you, you know, you want to think of the, of the good, the good memories, just like with, with every good man or woman, you know, that's not here anymore. You know, yeah, you want to think of the good times and all that. And, and Again, the poor, the, the you know everybody commenting, you know, giving you support, you know, yeah. at, at at the time of need, and you know, to some, you know, maybe I'm a little bit young, but uh, for that, but uh, he was like the voice uh, yeah. of of motorsport racing in Australia, you know. Yeah, he, he was, and he, he uh, a big man with a big heart and a big legacy. Yeah. He um, he was involved. Uh, for many years in many different forms of motorsport. He was probably the guy that was instrumental in moving back to V8 racing, that is the supercars that we see now. Um, absolute professional, absolute gentleman, and... Uh, uh, now, now, what was, now, what was the best advice that he, he gave you? Be yourself. Yeah. And that, that's not on camera or not specifically on camera, that's just in life, be yourself. Um, uh, Lord knows I've, I've made mistakes, many of them embarrassing ones yes. and, and far too big. Um, none of us are, are perfect. <coughs> I was being me um, and I learned from them, dusted myself off and, and, and kept going and... Um, you know, there's a difference between not caring what anyone thinks about you or just being yourself. And I do care what, what people think and, and how I project myself, and I'm, I'm conscious of that. Yes. But I, I'm me, and I, I, I make no apologies for that. I'm, I'm me, and then it's up to you to form your opinion. But pretending or, or anything like that to be something that you're not Yes. Uh, not me. And you know what? That's the whole strong character, being able to laugh at yourself, you know, if you make a mistake, haha. You know, yeah. but learn from it. Yeah. 
and and just be nice to people in general. So yeah, that's very 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 good advice. So uh, let let's get close to wrapping it up. I always like to do like a couple of short little quick questions, and, and uh, you you give me you know like a like a short response. Yep. Um, are you ready to go, Andy? Let's do it. All right. Modern day wrestling. New Japan, brilliant. Yes. Uh, WWE, anything but. Mm. I watch. I watch New Japan, and I watch a little bit of NXT. I watch the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, and nothing else. Yes. Uh, and have you watched? Actually, have you watched any of AEW? The recent. Uh, I, I I haven't as yet. I will at some stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'll. I will have a peek at that, but I'm a, I'm a New Japan guy. Firm. Excellent. Yeah, love it. I'm going to have to get into that because a lot of people are talking about uh, New Japan. Yeah. The NRL bunker. Uh, there for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Has in, I would assume has, has improved the statistics of right to wrong decisions. Hmm. Never going to be perfect because there are human elements involved. I think it's a blight on the media and the fans that we focus too much on the referee and the bunker because that's what we're we're now trained to do. Exactly. I would rather talk about the football, talking about refs and talking about the bunker to me, is the most boring topping in the world. They, they don't get it right all the time, but hey, neither do we. And, and the same with the the grand final last year. And you know, um, I'm going to the game. Like I spend so much time on the bunk, like going up and watching it and watching it live. You want it to be, yeah, nonstop. Like we were talking about before. You you yep. want it to be continuing. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Let, let's hope this year it's uh, improved. And, yeah. and speak, speaking of that, one referee now for this season. We went to two referees for a reason. That's right. Everybody was complaining about the one referee. We should have two. You know? it, it'll change. It's not going to change in the next two weeks. Mm. Uh, you'll see a significant change after about round five or six when coaches figure out how to manipulize and oh, manipulize. I think I've just invented a word. <laughs> how to manipulate the, the one refereeing system. Uh, we're, still, we're still going to be talking refs and blowing up, so... Uh. That's right. Uh, Pete, Peter Villandes. Peter Villandes, did I say that uh, right? Yeah, no, I think I think you nailed it. I haven't met Pete. Um, seems to have done a, a fabulous job and congratulations to him. I don't, I don't think... I don't think the game would be where it is now without Peter Volanders, but I don't think it would be where it is now also without Todd Greenberg. I'm a I'm a Todd fan as a person and an operator. I'm sure you've had a lot to deal with Todd over, yeah. the, over the years, yeah. Always, and always struck me as a good fella and a good operator. There was someone didn't want him there and they got their way. All right. Uh, and back to wrestling, uh, your top, top, you, you know, everybody talks about their top five uh, yep. all-time wrestlers. Okay. Could be a history lesson here. Okay. Uh, Are you going like like uh, to the Australian wrestling? Like, uh, 
Okay. No, no, I'll uh, Ray the Crippler Stevens, number one. If you haven't seen, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Ray Stevens, there's a bit on him on the WWE Network. There's more of him on YouTube. Uh, genuine tough guy and a traveller from probably the 60s, 70s, maybe into the 80s and widely regarded as you know, the worker's worker. Incredible bumper, ring psychology, loved him. I would include Harley Race and Terry, mm. who have both given me great joy over the years. Uh, as for positions four and five, Kazuchika Okada from New Japan, who's there at the moment. Amazing athlete, amazing storytelling, and has a legitimate feel to him. And maybe even Minoru Suzuki, the uh, 53 or 54-year-old legend. Again, another New Japan guy who can make you believe what he's doing is legit. That's off the top of the head. I'm going to rattle on that. That's ever. And yeah. present an argument for each and every one of them. Let you me know, throw Bruiser Brody in there too. Oh, Bruiser Brody. I just saw that. Yeah, Dark side of the ring, yes. That yeah, was a great. Some interesting ones on that, some uh, amazing insights and some, you know, horrible stories, unfortunately. Yeah, Montreal Screwjob and, you know, Bret Hart recently. Uh, Owen Hart, sorry. Yeah. Owen Hart. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Cameron Smith. Best in the game and has been for a number of years. To me, has always been uh, genuine polite, respectful, uh, and accommodating, and very pleasant. Yeah. Uh, has he got an intense side? Absolutely. Does he push the referees to their limits and the opposition to their limits? Absolutely. Is that his job? Yep. The Cameron Smith, away from it all, uh, I think you'd, most people would be pleasantly surprised, but he's, he's the GOAT. Yes. And uh, in, in terms of commentating, you're, you're beside yourself, you know, a couple of commentators that have meant, meant a lot of you, to you in your career? Majority of career, especially Monday nights, the old Monday night team of uh, Warren Smith, Laurie Daly, Greg Alexander and myself, we did Monday nights pretty much as long as they were there. Yes. Travelled around the country together and lent on each other when we needed to and and gave a ribbing to each other when we need <laughs> you know thoroughly enjoyed working with those guys got a kick, real kick over the last couple of years of working with that absolute weirdo andrew voss um <laughs> he's just he's just non-stop and we enjoyed some wonderful wonderful laughs i mean hysterical type stuff in commentary boxes before during and after games i, I might say and uh yeah, he's a beauty as well. Does he enjoy a beer, old bossy? Uh, yeah, yeah, but he's more responsible than me. Oh, okay. <laughs> enjoy a beer and go to bed. Yeah. I'll it's enjoy just, a beer and go to the bar. Again, it's just funny how we're talking about these people that you've met and you've worked with and, and just how down to earth they, they are. You know, just really nice people. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's just so important, you know. I agree. What advice would you give 
to someone who wants to come into the journalism on TV? Um, Is it very similar to what what your father would say or do you have something sort of similar to add Uh, to it? Hold on and don't blink. (laughs) When I say hold on, it's a a wild ride of emotion. Uh, There are so many political beasts out there that it is ridiculous and it's a game that I've never played nor do I care about playing. It's not what I'd term a nice industry, uh, which is sad because there's a whole lot of nice people. There there really is, and the majority are. But you've always got to check yeah, what, the shoulder to see who's got yeah. the knife. Um, and don't blink because, it, you know, you hear this from your your grandfather and your uncles and, and whatnot, but it, 30 years in, in the industry and 23 years at Fox – has gone in the blink of an eye. It really has. But, you know, enjoy it. I I think it's harder to getting into now, you know, the television side. It seems ex-players are the ones that, you know, have got the the ride in there, rightfully so, for for their, you know, opinion and and for what they've done in the game. Um, But, be yeah. Be yourself, and that, that again, not 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 just on camera. It's what my dad told me: be yourself. And I've yes. I've done that on camera and off camera. But if you if you're going into journalism, be yourself. Believe in yourself. Have have your have your opinion, but be yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There was one more thing. Sorry, that uh, was Ivan Cleary. It was it last year. <laughs> and you were in the green, and you actually heard them talking to the referee. Yeah. What the hell happened there? Again, I, no, no, not once have I ever done anything personal in, uh, in or against anyone in the game. I get paid to report on what I find out. Yes. And I was standing next to Ivan, and he spoke to the refs, swore at the refs, and I reported it. Next thing I know, there's a shitstorm about it, and I get a call from the NRL, would you make a statement? And I said, no, I've made my statement on air. I'm happy to leave it like that. And they said, oh, okay. They called me back in a couple of days later. They said, we've got a statement from Ivan. Would you like to make a statement? So I spoke to my bosses at work, and I said, okay. And I just told them exactly what I told our viewers as soon as it happened on Fox Sports. Yeah. And the NRL turned around and uh, basically discredited me and, uh, you know, you shouldn't have to choose one or the other, you know, but why would I report something? Why would I make something up? I didn't miss here. And I've spoken to Ivan since and very simply two, two guys that have known each other 30 years, yes. you know, we're going to... We don't have a personal relationship. We have a professional relationship, and that'll continue until we're both out of the industry. And we just agreed to disagree. I said, I heard what I heard, and he believes what he said. We disagree, so be it. But for the NRL to plead with me, let me rephrase that. For the NRL to ask me sternly twice Mm. for an account of what happened, then to turn their back on me, yeah, screw them. Yeah. <laughs> with with the, the boxing as well, will we ever see another Mundine Danny Green in the future? 
someone will come along. You know, yeah. Tim Sue's doing a good job at the moment. Jeff Horn's done a great job. Whether it will garner the volume of media exposure that Anthony has and does, I doubt it. You know, we've lived through a pretty good generation of, of athletes and, Absolutely. Um, and, you know, different guys living their dreams on the television for us to enjoy in our land rooms. And Chock, love him or hate him, has been one of them. He's he's added excitement and entertainment to our our sporting viewing, and absolutely, he's going to be hard to replicate. Yeah. And have you had uh, interactions with him and his father? Oh God, I've, I've known him and Dad for thirty-two years. Wow. Um, and and Mum Lynn. And, and and sorry, Andy, is he like is he like that outside of the? Because uh, to me, nah. it's, it's a bit of a show when, when he comes on. He's like yeah. a bit of an entertainer, you know. Here's the microphone. Yep. What he says sells tickets. When he That's sells right. tickets, he makes money. Uh, I, I often get asked about Anthony, and my my standard response is, if you sat down with him for 10 minutes, you'd fall in love, like the rest of us do. Yeah. He is just an outstanding fella that turns into a dickhead <laughs> when there's a microphone in front of him. <laughs> Sorry, Chuck. <laughs> some of the things, <laughs> some of the things that he said have just oh, been the <laughs> just shaking. Headbutt a wall type stuff. Yeah, that's right. But you gotta love him. But like you know, just a yeah, an Australian. You know, he's almost an Australian icon. In my opinion. Yeah. He's just he's done so much. So. Andy, uh, is there anything that you want to sort of promote? Any endorsements? Uh, you've been the MC for, you know, so long. You know, you've done all, done all these uh, corporate corporate business work and all that. So, um, just, is there anything you would like to promote? No, not at the moment. Is yeah. I, I thank you for having me on to, to start with. A great honour. Uh, anyone that's uh, that's listened and and enjoyed any part of the, the podcast, I thank you. And I, I thank you even even more for the, the support that people have shown me over the last couple of weeks. It's been humbling. It's been embarrassing. Uh, it's been emotional. Um, and it has caught me completely by surprise. For the moment, I am going to sit back with a pizza and a beer tonight and all yes. across the weekend and watch the footy and yell at the commentators. <laughs> Swear at the players, and it's going to be bloody lovely. Get them back to ten, Rev. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and final, final question: uh, What does the future hold for Sir Andy? I don't know. There's, uh, I've had a few phone calls already, which has stunned me. Um, I'm not in a position at the moment to make any uh, huge decisions. Uh, I'm going to look after myself for a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm going to make sure my head's clear and my focus is right. Uh, I'm a believer in what will be, will be, and whatever's meant to be, that's where, that's where we'll end up, Craig. Well, well, Andy, we definitely have to, if we cross paths, I definitely would love to have a beer with you one day and talk more about wrestling and rugby league, and uh, I think that's what we should do. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh, I, I think we yeah I spoke about it earlier how um, uh, I actually did meet you once at the yeah. Panthers at the yeah. Panthers 
for the wrestling. I would have been running around like a maniac. You were, you were. You, you had your, you had, you had your two phones, and you were yeah. like <laughs> just going crazy. But uh, I, I just want to say, like, everybody talks about like the voices of, of like a rugby league, all watching the rugby league on Fox Foxtel. Yeah. Who was it? Who was it? <laughs> it was you. So you know. Yeah. You, you've given me some some great times, uh, some great memories. You know, uh, again, in my opinion, with you know, on the ground, it just felt for you. It's just natural. Just just yeah. and just talking as a person. You're not you're not sort of you know you were just yourself. And yeah. like like you've said it, uh, and you know that's that's a great credit to you. Yourself. And, yeah, yeah, that's right. And. You, you 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 just wait, you know. <laughs> I hope so, mate. Things will things will come for you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Thank you, buddy. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks for your time again. You're following Parramatta still. Yes. Parramatta fans. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Parramatta to win tonight by how many? Uh, eight. Eight. Right. Eight. And uh, I will be cheering my Knights team yeah. again. Go Knights. All right, Andy. Thank you Thanks very much. For Thanks very much for your time. Look after yourself. Bye, everyone. You too. Bye for now. Yeah.